Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast sponsored by Overdrive. To do our housekeeping at the top, make sure you follow us on social media. We are at Pro Book Nerds on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'd love to hear from you. So feel free to send us a note to our email address, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Joe and I are here today to talk about the best books of 2023. Hi, Joe. Hi, Emma. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I I mean, it just got cold and snowy here, so I've got a little bit of the like sniffles and coughs, but otherwise pretty good. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I've got coffee and a candle, so... Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with that setup. I'm very excited for us to chat best books of 2023 today. And I think we said something similar to this last year, maybe, but Mm -hmm. don't quote me. We really wanted to talk about some of the books that were published in 2023 that we just had the most fun with, that we really enjoyed, that we loved for whatever reason. So we say these are the best books of the year, but we know that that is so entirely subjective. So with all of that caveat, also, we didn't want to talk about books we've already talked about 10,000 yes. times. <laughs> yes, there are books on <laughs> there are books that are definitely missing from both of our lists that yeah. I'm sure you've heard about. We did the same thing in our juvenile and YA episode where there were a couple that I omitted because I mean, even though I brought up a few that I've talked about a few times. There are also some that I was like, I I did a whole episode on this. Don't need to bring it up. But right. I mean, we decided that because you and I have both read a lot of books this year. I mean, Mm -hmm. like this has been a boom year for reading for both of us. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because I am on my journey this year has been of going through my old TBR and stuff that I want to like clear house a little bit and finally get through. And so you're going to see from me a lot of books that I've brought up in monthly book picks or that I've done interviews for, because those are some of the few 2023 books I read. There are others, but some of those are ones we talked about a thousand times. So yeah, definitely, definitely worth remembering that these are the books that we enjoyed the most or loved, you know, best is subjective and uh, that it doesn't represent everything that we read this year, just what we read from this year. Yeah, exactly. And if you're interested, like we would certainly be happy to do an episode of like our favorite books that we've read recently, sort yeah. of regardless of pub date. Um, but yeah, we really wanted to focus on 2023 releases and also try to give you a little bit more of a well-rounded 
you know, picks list because we didn't yeah. want it to just be sort of greatest hits, even though that is historically what these things are. <laughs> so let's dive in. Joe, what is your first pick for best book of 2023? My first pick is from our friend of the pod, Rachel Harrison, Black Sheep. Now I know I just said, I'm not going to talk about books that I talked about a thousand times, but this this one gets to break that rule. This was so much fun. The twists, the turns. If you have not read Black Sheep yet, bump it up your TBR. It is fantastic. It is creepy. It is supernatural and cool. I know it's been my year of horror and I keep throwing down more horror wrecks, but Rachel Harrison truly is the new is ushering in the new era of horror literature in the space. Her writing is so readable. It is so fast paced. Um, It brings in cynicism and just like really relatable emotions uh, while tackling in all of her books. She usually tackles some sort of like, I feel like I'm making a list for kids and teens, tough topics. Um, But, you know, issues with family, found family, you know, feeling like an outsider. You can see that across all of her different writing, uh, grief, loss. So you can always find something powerful and terrifying in her writing. But Black Sheep is a story about Vesper. She is far from a normal family uh, and she left home at 18 and never looked back but mostly because she was told that leaving the staunchly religious community she grew up in meant she couldn't return. Then one day an envelope arrives on her doorstep and inside is an invitation to the wedding of Vesper's beloved cousin Rosie to be hosted at the family farm. Have they made an exception to the rule? It wouldn't be the first time Vesper's been given special treatment. Is the invite a sweet gesture, an olive branch, a trap? Doesn't matter. Something inside her insists she go to the wedding. So from there... Polarity ensues, uh, cult-like behavior ensues, Pick Up Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. This one came out in September of 2023. And of course, you can listen to Emma and I interview Rachel and Clay about their September releases. That's such a good first pick. Mm -hmm. Keeping it off strong. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm going to continue that uh, spirit with my first pick. For You and Only You by Caroline Kepnes. This book had to be on this list. I know we have talked about it quite extensively. We chatted with Caroline earlier this year and audiobook narrator Santino Fontana. Ooh, shout out to that fun moment. And this was the most fun installment of this series since the first book. And I feel a little bit weird calling this fun because it's about a murderer. But if you've read it, you know, it is just a really campy, entertaining time. And if you enjoyed the first book, you, this is just like chef's kiss. Perfect. I love this book so much. Sorry, not sorry. But uh, this book follows our main pal, Joe Goldberg. And He's set uh, in Boston. He's at Harvard, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I just completely blanked. Um, But yeah, he's at a fellowship, a writing fellowship at Harvard. And so he's sort of set into this circle of 
intellectual like elites. And it's really fun to see him in this setting because he is not from a wealthy background. He doesn't have some of the things that these people have. And so it is just really entertaining. I think entertaining is a good word for this book where he can sort of comment on the, I guess, just like hypocrisy of a lot of the things uh, in these elite literary circles. In classic Joe fashion, he does find a woman to fixate his attention and affections upon, wonder parish, and they have so much in common, and they're both in the fellowship, and what could go wrong when Joe finds somebody to love? So yeah, this was just a great time. I will forever and always, as evidenced by at least like 10 episodes of this podcast where I have recommended this series. It's just, it's, it's a great time. So for you and only you by Caroline Kepnes was at the top of my list. Such a good book. I I, truly a fantastic book. It is. It's like, it's like the foil for the first book because book one is maybe the best is like the, maybe not the, the best but it's the most like quintessential of the series yeah. and for you and only you returns to that except instead of joe being the down and out kind of like loser character from the first book he is now the one with all the money and the power but he still feels exactly the same and yeah instead of being obsessed with um why did i just forget her name from book one back Beck, yes. Instead of being obsessed with Beck, who's got everything and who is living this life, he's obsessed with Wonder, who is far more relatable to who he used to be. So it is just, it is so good. And there again, two great interviews where you can listen to both of us, where we talk to Caroline and Santino. Oh, so good. And yeah, this, I am looking back at my notes for when I was reading this and I just said this was so entertaining. And it was. So it Joe, was so <laughs> what, entertaining. What's next on your list? So next on my list is a Reese's Book Club pick uh, and my first interview of the year, The House in the Pines by Ana Reyes. This is a fantastic read. It is a thriller, suspense. It makes you feel like you are... just kind of in the fog with the main character. It's a very strong, unreliable narrator plot as she is going through clonopin withdrawal. Um, And so you're experiencing that along with her. You're also kind of forced to wonder if there is a bit of magical realism, but it's, it's truly like a can't put down thriller. It is so enjoyable. Uh, It follows Maya when she was a high school senior, her best friend Aubrey dropped dead in front of the enigmatic man named Frank, who they'd been spending time with all summer. Seven years later, Maya's living in Boston. Oh, following your Boston with my Boston. (laughs) Uh, With her loving boyfriend and is kicking the secret addiction that has allowed her to cope with what happened years ago to Aubrey. So the gaps in her memories, the lost time she can't account for, she's just struggling. But all of a sudden, the past comes rushing back when she comes across a recent YouTube video in which a young woman subtly, suddenly keels over and dies in a diner while sitting across from none other than Frank. Plunged into the trauma that defined her life, Maya heads to the Berkshires, uh, her hometown, 
to relive that fateful summer, the influence Frank once had on her, the obsessive jealousy that nearly destroyed her friendship with Aubrey. At her mother's house, she excavates fragments of her past and notices hidden messages in her deceased Guatemalan father's book that didn't stand out to her earlier. To save herself, she must understand a story written before she was born, but time keeps running out, and soon, all roads are leading back to Frank's cabin. So that is The House in the Pines by Ana Reyes. That one came out January 3rd of this year. Truly a fantastic read. I didn't know what I was expecting. F- truly for the whole ride of this book, did not. I, I was thinking that something supernatural was going on. So maybe you'll have that experience too. It's worth the read. <laughs> it's a It's a great pick. And what a great interview to kick off 2023. You know, a little peek behind the scenes, when I interviewed Anna, neither of us knew that she was a Reese's pick yet. It hadn't happened because we were recording early because it was before the holidays. We had to, with this coming out so early in the year, we had to make sure that we, you know, were mindful of Thanksgiving and Christmas. So she she didn't know. I didn't know. We found out like as the episode was coming out, uh, which was really, was really neat. To just kind of be like, yeah, this this is why. <laughs> Such a good one. What's your next pick, Emma? It is Practice Makes Perfect by Sarah Adams. I don't know if I've talked about this book on the podcast. I don't think so. It came out in May of this year, and it is a, I never know. It's not a continuation of the series, but it is one of Sarah's when in Rome books. So where you sort of follow different people in the same town. That's a series. Anyways. <laughs> it's like the universe. You know, right? like right. It's it's like um you it's know Penny Reed where you kind of follow each sibling and they get a love story type of thing. So if you are familiar with her when in Rome series, you will see characters that you are recognize and are familiar with. And this practice makes perfect follows Annie Walker. She runs a local flower shop in Rome, Kentucky, and she just is looking for her perfect match. And it's proving to be really difficult in her small town. There's not a lot of people she doesn't already know. The people that she's meeting are just not the one. She has a sort of a series of comical first dates. And I think the book opens on her first date where she overhears her date on the phone, like pretending to have like, be like, Hey, call me in a minute and pretend you have an emergency so I can get out of the state. And he says that, um, he says she's so unbelievably boring and she overhears this and kind of has a moment of like, this is not what I want to be doing. I like, how do I get better at first dates? How do I find this person? And so in comes Will Griffin, the hunky bodyguard of her future sister-in-law, who could perhaps tutor her in how to date, how to give a good first impression, um, how to be more confident, a little less nervous. You know, we already love this setup. Come on. And so Will is a handsome tattooed bodyguard who's in town temporarily again to sort of protect um, Amelia Rose, Annie's future sister-in-law who we saw in previous books. And he's just like, you know what? 
I need to stay far, far away from Annie because he is attracted to her. Whatever reason he saw her before when they were in town and he's like, you know what? She's something special. I need to steer clear. I don't want any entanglements. I'm going to leave as soon as my security job is done. Uh, And what do you know? He (laughs) ends up getting settled and uh, somehow agrees to tutor Annie in dating. Uh, Naturally, they spend a lot of time together. And I think if you were a romance reader, you know what comes next. But this was just a really, really sweet, really fun romance. This is a closed door romance. So uh, we talk a lot about spice levels and open door, closed door, sort of whatever. This does fade to black, but it is very sweet. And there are some really, really nice moments in here. So uh, just for romance readers that have a preference, uh, FYI, but Practice Makes Perfect by Sarah Adams. This was one of my favorite books of this year. It was like a hug. <laughs> it sounds super cute. Like what a what a good trope. I'm matching your kind of genre trope with my new genre trope of the year. Uh y'all, I got into cozy mysteries. And this is the one that kicked it off. The Body in the Back Garden by Mark Waddell. It is the beginning of a new series called the Crescent Cove Mystery Series. And how did I find this, you may ask? Uh, The audiobook is narrated by none other than Daniel Henning, who we know I love. This is a queer, cozy series debut. It's perfect for fans of Ellen Byron and Ellery Adams. Luke Tremblay is about to discover that Crescent Cove has more than its fair share of secrets, and some might be deadlier than others. It is truly just that kind of beautiful murder-she-wrote vibe Once again, this also felt like a hug, but we're in Crescent Cove, a small hamlet on Vancouver Island. It's the last place out-of-work investigative journalist Luke Tremblay ever wanted to see again. He used to spend summers here until his family learned that he was gay and rejected him. Now following his aunt's sudden death, he's inherited her entire estate, including her seaside cottage and the antique shop that she ran for 40 years in Crescent Cove. Luke plans to sell everything and head back to Toronto as soon as he can but Crescent Cove isn't done with him yet. When a stranger starts making wild claims about Luke's aunt, Luke sends him packing. The next morning, though, Luke discovers that the stranger has returned, and now he's lying dead in the back garden. To make matters worse, the officer leading the investigation is a handsome Mountie with a chip on his shoulder who seems convinced that Luke is the culprit. If he wants to prove his innocence and leave this town once and for all, Luke will have to use all his skills as a journalist to investigate the colorful locals while coming to terms with his own painful past. There are secrets buried in Crescent Cove, and the more Luke digs, the more he fears they might change the town forever. So that is The Body in the Back Garden by Mark Waddell, and that was out in August of this year. I'm so into cozies. It's so cute. It's it's like the intersection of you taking me into romance because I love that every cozy that I've read so far has a romance subplot. Yeah. But you just get like, I get the mystery. I get the thrills. Like I get the whodunit, but I also get a little bit of love and I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. It is the intersection of sort of all of the things that, that we typically that we like. Yeah. That's great. And speaking of things that we typically read, my next pick is a book that I shouted at you until you, I was like, you know, you need to read this. It's so good. It's so good. And I want you to talk about the audiobook 
uh, as well, because I read the ebook of this and then you listen to the audio is none of this is true by Lisa Jewell. This came out in August of this year and Lisa Jewell is the author I go to when I either don't know what to read next or I need to bust out of a reading slump. Her books are so compelling, captivating. The pacing is great. There's twists, there's turns. I love a good British thriller, as we well know. And this is no exception. This was five stars for me. Read this in a day, I feel like. It was so good. So a quick summary of what this was about. This followed popular podcaster Alex Summer. She meets this sort of random woman in a pub um, when they're celebrating their 45th birthdays. And this lady is called Josie Fair. Josie is also celebrating her birthday and like, oh, surprise, their birthday twins are the exact same age. How bizarre. And then they bump into each other again in the neighborhood. They keep running into each other. And so Alex is kind of like intrigued by this random woman that she keeps seeing. Josie's life just appears like bizarre to the outsider. And you can tell that Josie is sort of searching for somebody to like pay attention to her, care about her, tell her story to. And so they decide to make a podcast together where Josie sort of tells her story. And that's just sort of the premise for the way in which both of these characters' lives become interwoven. Lots of things happen. (laughs) And you kind of just have to figure out who the heck is this woman and who is telling the truth and who's not. And then what I found really interesting is obviously the title of this book is None of This is True. And so if you sort of read the story with that in mind, well, boy. And what I love about these books that Lisa Jewell writes, but particularly this book, and I don't think this is a spoiler, is that you get a satisfactory resolution to the thriller, but it's always a little bit cast into doubt. And I just really enjoy that because that does lead the reader to their own interpretation where you sort of decide how things ended or or what was true or what really happened. It kind of reminds me of Verity by Colleen Hoover, where you are either team manuscript or you are team letter. And that's all I'll say. But I just really love this book. It was exactly what I needed it to be. And it was great. (laughs) Looking at your list, I was like, oh, that book came out this year. Oh, that book came out this year. And there are so many books on your list that are, would very easily also be on mine between for you and only you and this book. None of this is true. Oh my gosh. You told me to read it. Um, yes, you, you did absolutely just scream at me like, you have to read this now. And I was like, okay, I, I had, I had just finished my book. I was ready for another one. And I went, sure, let's, let's go for it. And as we know, I always go for the audiobook. and the audiobook is incredible. It is a full cast. They do all of the fixings to it. So it is an experience. I mean, there are, I think eight or more people listed as performers. So um, 
you have kind of our two main characters that we switch back and forth between, but there are also interstitial moments from the podcast, uh, from Alex's podcast, which is so cool because they have provided treatments onto the audio so that it sounds like instead of having like the, the clear crisp audio experience, it sounds like you're listening to the podcast in someone else's headphones or when she's interviewing like Josie's mom at one point, not a spoiler. You don't know what to do with that. (laughs) When she's interviewing Josie's mom at some point, it's a different narrator coming in to read those lines. So it's fully cast, fully performed. It was so easy to sink into and just enjoy. And I wanted to find out more the whole time. And I have to agree with you, Emma, like, We've made a complaint that sounds similar to this in the past. We're like, we like when there is a twist, but it needs to be a twist that we could have figured out if we wanted to. And that's something that Lisa Jewell does so well in creating some of the most like unseen bonkers flips of how the book is resolving that any of the options you could decide that you don't believe that any of what you were just presented as the ending is true. You could decide that, you know, like you can kind of, it's like when a movie doesn't tie up certain ends because you're supposed to decide how you feel on, on the experience. It's the same kind of vibe. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's a really compelling read and honestly an even better listen. If you are like me and you love a full, like a full cast, a bit of drama. It's a, it's a brilliant time. So good. Joe, what is your next pick? So my next pick was a surprise pick for me because I, I had heard about this book just in passing. I didn't, didn't really know too much about it. It arrived in a box from source books, as I'm sure you saw me unbox on our TikTok at pro book nerds. And I I looked at it and I was like, oh, this sounds fantastic. I even remember like flipping over the back of it, reading the description and going, oh, uh, th- this is an updated Rosemary's Baby. Cool. Love it. Well, it turns out it's also the inspiration for the most or for the current season of American Horror Story, American Horror Story Delicate. And while I have kind of a love-hate relationship with American Horror Story over the last couple of years, there are some amazing seasons and some stinkers. Uh, this book was really, just really good. It was fantastic. It was a good audiobook. Um, it also has translated really well into what I've seen of the current season of American Horror Story. So this is Delicate Condition by Danielle Valentine. Just a warning up top, this does involve pregnancy loss. This does involve conversations around IVF journeys, uh, but it is at its core a thriller. So just be mindful before you dive into this book that that there are some, you know, just some, some tough, some really tough scenes around loss. But this follows Anna Alcott, who is a kind of like a flickering star, desperate to have a family, but also desperate to try to balance her increasingly public life as an indie actress while dealing with a grueling IVF journey. She's starting to suspect that someone is going to great lengths to make sure that she can't have everything she wants. Crucial medicines are lost, appointments get swapped without her knowledge, cryptic warnings have her jumping at shadows, and despite everything she's gone through to make this pregnancy a reality, not even her husband is willing to believe that someone is playing twisted games with her. 
Then her doctor tells her she's had a miscarriage, except Anna is convinced that she's still pregnant, despite everything the grave-faced men around her claim. She can feel the baby moving inside her, can see the strain it's taking on her weakening body. Vague warnings become direct threats as someone stalks her through the bleak ghost town of the snowy Hamptons. As her symptoms and sense of danger grow ever more horrifying, she can't help but wonder what exactly she's carrying inside of her and why no one will listen when she says something is horribly, painfully wrong. So again, if the description wasn't clear enough, like just keep that in mind before you pick this up, make sure you're in the right place to receive that. Uh, Because the beginning is the beginning, I will say just flat out is graphic, but oh my gosh, it was a good story. It was a great story, solid twists. Um, This is the first that I've read by Danielle Valentine and I would absolutely return for more. I appreciated her take on this kind of thriller horror space. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit And you are in your horror era. I'm in my <laughs> horror era. I'm transitioning from horror to cozy now, though, because we're getting into the winter. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of books, for the winter, sort of. That was a terrible segue. My next book came out very recently. I don't think it needs much introduction or fanfare. I had to put Iron Flame by Rebecca Garros on this list just because it was so good. It was. It was great. And I don't think anyone can deny the sort of sensation that Fourth Wing in this series has been in 2023. So um, I think it bears acknowledging that this is going to be a series to watch. I mean, it already is, but Iron Flame picked exactly where we left off with Violet and Satan. This book sort of continues the story between the two of them. You also sort of learn where like the real dragon rider training begins in their second year of war college. And there's also a lot of things that come to light that were previously hidden in the first book. There's a lot of revelations. There are a lot of things going on in this book. It's hard to talk about it without spoiling it. So if you're interested in dragons, uh, if you're interested in romance, if you're interested in fantasy, if you're interested in something that is going to be really compelling and I don't want to say easy to read, but it is like easy to read. Very readable. I would highly suggest you check out Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. And if you haven't done so yet, you can also listen to my conversation with Rebecca. She was an absolute delight, such a sweetheart and uh, gives some, I say, I would say good insight into what we can expect from Zayden and Violet for the rest of the series. So be sure to check that out. I feel like we've probably waxed poetic on it recently, but it is interesting to see the return of like a proper series 
Yeah. I, you know, having seen so many duologies recently and just kind of one-off fantasy tales, I cannot remember. Do we have an idea of how many books are expected? Yeah, there'll be five books in this series. So it was floating f- around here somewhere, but yeah, <laughs> no, we got the first two this year, which is a bit wild. And um, in my conversation with Rebecca, she did say that the rest of the series would be published at a more regular publishing cadence. So I would anticipate we may get one book a like year. A book a year. Uh, um, I don't know that we will get the third book next year unless it's late 2024, but I think we can expect um, a much more normal publishing cadence for the rest of that series. And I think a book a year, as we know, is still a pretty grueling pace. It's a grueling pace, especially for like chunky fantasy like that. I know. It's the like, best way I can think of it I is know. like dense, yeah. dense fantasy. Like 600 pages of, you know, world building, but Yeah. It's definitely going to be exciting to see where she takes that series. I'm just deciding if my like Christmas gift to you this year is reading (laughs) Iron Flame or reading A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know. Oh, it's such a close. (laughs) It's such a close call. Hmm. Mm -hmm. To be determined. To be determined. My next pick, this is where I go into the memoir portion of our time together. How could I not bring up Love, Pamela by Pamela Anderson? This came out in January. I know Emma brought it up at the start of the year, but I I just, I I think it's a beautiful look. Uh, It's honest. It's layered. It's just, it alternates between storytelling and her own poetry. So it's also really cool to see all of the different sides of who was known as just the blonde bombshell of the 90s. I mean, I I think Pamela Anderson is is fascinating because she's just this like cultural touchstone. You can think of her in so many different eras of TV and film. You can I, even now, I mean, her makeup artist, the person that she worked with all the time passed away in 2019 and she has stopped wearing makeup since then. She just said I I don't feel like it anymore because they're not there to do it and she always looks stunning and I there's just something about her that is so unique that I I think this was just a really nice look into to just kind of look at her fighting back with a sense of grace fueled by love and art and literature and driven by devotion to her children and the causes that she cares about most. Uh, Of course, she has now gone back to the island where she grew up, Vancouver Island, and as after a memorable running star as Roxy in Chicago on Broadway, reclaiming her free spirit, but also standing firm as a strong, creative, confident woman. So... That is Love Pamela by Pamela Anderson. If you love a celebrity memoir like I do, this was definitely a good one to pick up. I can keep that train rolling and I will skip ahead to The Woman and Me by Britney Spears. This came out late October of this year. And I obviously knew that this book was coming. And I don't know that I really got um, excited about it until we started to hear some snippets about what was actually going to be in the book. And so this was a really easy, quick read, heartbreaking at times, quite frankly, with what Brittany has gone through. And I do think that this was just a really well done memoir. Like It was just really interesting to a figure who has been sort of a 
celebrity staple for 20, 30 years. Um, I had, I hate to say that I had very like little expectation of what this book would be. And it did kind of just blow me out of the water with how sort of candid she got with some of these things and what was actually revealed in this book. And so for those that haven't read it, like we won't get too into the but I think you may have seen some of the headlines when this book came out, uh, just with insight on her relationship with Justin Timberlake, other people in the industry. This was a, it was just, it was a good book. It was really entertaining. Uh, bless Brittany for all she's been through. Honestly, I mean, I, I, I have to say absolutely same. As guilty as I felt, I had very low expectations other than I was excited to see what came from it, like what insight we gained, but I did not expect all of that. I mean, I knew she had a, a tragic story to tell, but wow. And the audiobook being narrated by Michelle Williams, like yeah, left and right, everything about it was like beautiful and painful. Yeah. It, right. It it really surprised me in a way I yes. wasn't anticipating. Same. The same. Because it felt like we actually got to understand who Brittany was. Exactly. Well, my, my next memoir is Page Boy by Elliot Page. Um, this one came out in June and was just another fantastic look uh, full of intimate stories from chasing down secret love affairs to battling body image and struggling with family strife. Uh, Page Boy is a love letter to the power of being seen. Uh, it's an evocative and lyrical debut. Oscar-nominated star Elliot Page captures the universal human experience of searching for ourselves and our place in this complicated world. I know I have called this one out before, so I won't give us too much about it. But if you have not picked this up, again, if you are into a celebrity memoir, if you loved Elliot Page's work, if you want to know just a little bit more about their story, I think this is just a a really great look um, behind the behind the the lens, and also to just kind of understand how someone who is experiencing life potentially differently than you uh, is is feeling and what their journey was like. But the Oscar-nominated star who captivated the world with his performance in Juno finally shares his story in a groundbreaking and inspiring memoir about love, family, fame, and stepping into who we truly are with strength, joy, and connection. So, very heartfelt uh, and very moving. There were so many good memoirs this year. It there were. Was, <laughs> I think we could have a full episode dedicated to memoirs, but well, that's the the end of my list. Basically, <laughs> is a full episode dedicated to memoirs. <laughs> your uh, the rest of your list is dedicated to memoirs. The rest of Mostly. my list is dedicated to thrillers. Love it. Uh, which is funny because, well. I talk about romance a lot. Um, and so, yeah, some of these thrillers really blew me out of the water this year, including my next pick, The Soulmate by Sally Hepworth. This came out early April. And man, do I love a Sally Hepworth book as well. She's just such an engaging mystery writer. I, it's They're always like very addictive. They're always very entertaining. And... This book was no exception. Uh, this is one of my favorite kinds of thrillers where you've got the seemingly perfect family and the seemingly perfect marriage. And, you know, that's absolutely never the case. So in this book, we have a picture perfect cottage on a cliff 
sloping lawns, walking paths, beautiful flowers. It is Gabe and Pippa Gerard's dream house on a coastal town. And behind all of that uh, lies something a little bit more sinister. The tall cliffs that their beautiful cottage is on have become a popular spot for people to, unfortunately, end their lives. And over the past several months, Gabe literally comes to many folks' rescue by talking them off the ledge. So obviously that is not ideal for your sort of picture-perfect cottage uh, to have that sort of scary and sinister situation happen regularly that you've got the husband talking people off that ledge. And he's been successful so far. Everyone that he's encountered has been safe and okay after their, after he's talked them down uh, until one day somebody is unable to be saved. And things sort of get complicated and confusing when Pippa discovers that Gabe knew the victim. And so then she has a bunch of questions and things sort of spiral from there. Did the victim jump? Did she get pushed by her husband? Um, why does he know her? What went on? And, you know, can you really know somebody fully uh, in this case? Does Gabe and do Gabe and Pippa really know each other? Uh, they're supposed to be soulmates. Um, so, yeah, the sort of perfect facade of their marriage begins to crack. They both have secrets that are revealed. And this was just a really, really good thriller. I, again, love this sort of domestic, you know thriller where it really is about the relationships that you have with people and sort of the complications that arise when you're not necessarily forthright with the people that are the most important to you. So this is The Soulmate by Sally Hepworth. I have been meaning to read this one because it, you started the description. I was like, oh, that, that sounds familiar. I remember you talking about Sally Hepworth. And then you got to the part about him basically yeah. just coaching people back down and went, oh, right. I remember this one. How did that get bumped down my list? I need to pop that one back up. <laughs> yeah. It's it. This is a great, this is a great one. And Sally yeah. Hepworth, I have found to be, I don't want to, well, I will say a very reliable thriller writer for me where all of her books are ones that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And it's great when you can find that and just like, oh, I can sink into your writing so easily. Yeah. So anything she puts out, I know I'm going to like. Yeah. Which is how I very often struggle to stay in the year that we're in because I'm like, well, now I just want more of this person. And suddenly I'm in their 1997 catalog. <laughs> uh, my next book and my last official memoir uh, is a gorgeous book by the queen herself, Dolly Parton. This is Behind the Seams, My Life in Rhinestones. So it's a beautiful celebration of Dolly Parton's iconic sense of style through entertaining personal stories and 450 full-color photographs, including exclusive images from her private costume archive. So global superstar Dolly Parton shares for the first time the full story behind her lifelong passion for fashion, including how she developed her own distinct Dolly style, which has defined convention and endeared her to fans around the world. Featuring those behind-the-scenes stories from her life and career and the largest reveal of her private costume archive, this gorgeously photographed book spotlights her most unforgettable looks from the 1960s 
till now. The sky-high heels, famous wigs, bold makeup, eye-catching stage clothes, she shares them all. Along the way, she discusses memorable outfits from her past, from the clothes her mothers would sew out of feed sacks, including her coat of many colors, and the bold dresses and hairdos that shook up Nashville to the bunny suit on the cover of Playboy, evening wear at Studio 54, costumes from her most famous film and TV roles, and the daring styles that continue to entertain and inspire today. Who didn't just see her dressed as a Dallas cowgirl for the Thanksgiving game? I can't believe I brought up football. I did not see the game, but I did see Dolly. Uh, It's filled with candor, humor, and lots of rhinestones. Behind the scenes is a shining tribute to one of the most beloved musicians in history, a treasured keepsake for anyone who loves Dolly, and an indispensable guide for forging your own path to beauty and confidence. So uh, that one just came out in October. Dolly Parton, Behind the Seams. Uh, check it out. This this one, I, I can't say you have to audiobook yet. You have to do the ebook for this one. <laughs> yeah, Dolly can do no wrong. She truly can do no wrong. And I'm, I'm still thinking about, like, I love that she's like, yeah, I'm going to wear a full bodysuit under this uniform and it's going to be rhinestoned. Like, that's, that's a diva. She's amazing. Yeah, she's amazing. I, like, yeah, I saw the outfit as well, but absolutely uh-huh. not a single second of the football. <laughs> not, a, not a single second. I was scrolling on TikTok as I was recovering after making Thanksgiving dinner. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's happening right now? <laughs> she's just a delight. May uh, she forever be a delight. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, my next pick is uh, not that vibe at all, but it was something... Well, I'm taking a page out of Joe's book with my little nod to horror for the year. As we know, I did read more horror this year than I've ever read, which is not saying a lot because I don't really read horror. And it's probably my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's most certainly your fault. But um, you'll get the thumbs up for that because it's been a, a really interesting journey to obviously broaden my horizons a little bit. And this book was really unique um, of some of the horror that we saw come out this year. So it is The September House by Carissa Orlando. Again, a really unique premise. We love, I say we, because I'm speaking for you here, Joe, but we love like a haunted house story. We did a whole episode on, (laughs) on creepy haunted houses. And this book is sort of no exception to the haunted house trope if you if you call it a trope um where margaret and her husband buy this gorgeous victorian house it's their dream home it's at a reasonable price like oh my gosh they can't even believe their luck that they found this house until you know they move in and things are getting weird it reminds me of american horror story the first season um, where there's hauntings and the the walls drip blood and a lot of really weird and spooky things happen every September. And Margaret is like, you know what? I don't care. This is my house. I will not be driven from it, which like kudos to her. I would have been out the door. Uh, But she's been in this house with her husband and her, her daughter for four years. And her husband's like, I can't do this anymore. This house is creeping me out. It's terrible. Peace out. And suddenly he's completely MIA. They can't get a hold of him. He's not answering the phone. Nobody can find him. And something's clearly going on. 
And I misspoke. She lives in the house with her husband. Her daughter, um, I think, is older and returns home to find their dad. Their dad, and she doesn't know that the house is creepy. The daughter doesn't know that the house is creepy. And so there's a lot of different elements here. I mean, there's the house in and of itself. That's a a full main character. Uh, Why is the house this way? What the heck is going on there? There's obviously the mystery of finding how there's all of the things that she's trying to keep at bay with her daughter. There are a lot of really cool elements to this story. And I just thought that it was a really unique book. Uh, So that is the September house by Carissa Orlando. Such a good read, like fantastic read, great premise. And I'm with you. I feel like, because I also shocker watch a lot of horror, uh, you know, that's how I figured out, oh, I like watching it. I like reading it even better. But I used to always be the person screaming like, why aren't you moving out? Why would you stay there? And now that I'm you know, 31. I'm like, no, I'd be standing in the house screaming. I paid for this. You get out of here, ghosts and goblins. So I, I relate. (laughs) So my next pick is the last of anything that's kind of like memoir adjacent. It's a book that I brought up at the end of March for our April book picks. This is the big reveal an illustrated manifesto of drag by Sasha Velour. Again, another visually stunning book. This is this is the, the ebook to pick up and just kind of page through. Uh, described at the beginning, this book is a quilt piecing together memoir, history, and theory into a living portrait of an artist and an art. Within these pages, illustrated throughout with photos and original artwork, Sasha Velour illuminates drag as a unique form of expression with a rich history and a revolutionary spirit. So each chapter just kind of goes through and does reveal after reveal and twist and turn in the life of a drag queen. Sasha recalls her own journey from the women who raised her to learning the craft of an artist to success, disaster, and more. She also uncovers the history of queer life around the world that made it all all possible. So it's a really cool look. Uh, It's a great nonfiction look at kind of the queer world and, you know, what has shaped us all, even when it's not in our own kind of direct zeitgeist or world around us. But it's an equally singular, thought-provoking manifesto that brings necessary and sparkling substance to our understanding of drag, queerness, beauty, and liberation. Uh, This was, you know, truly just such a great pickup this year and yeah had to include it on the list and that wraps up my memoir memoir adjacent nonfiction portion of my list uh <laughs> my last two books will be uh, you know a little more what you come to expect from me but it's a good year for celebrity memoirs it uh, really was and we're not even there we don't we're even not even have there half yet. of them on we're, this list <laughs> right we don't even have like a quarter of them on this list patrick stewart like uh spare john stamos, um, john stamos yep <laughs> yeah well and in keeping up with the, that uh this is the last of my thrillers on this list. And it is The Quiet Tenant by Clémence Michelon. I don't know if I say that right. Why do I never look it up before? Uh, but this is was a debut thriller. It came out in the summer, I believe. And this is such an interesting premise. So it was immediately intrigued when I first heard about this book. So you've obviously got the main character, Aiden Thomas. He's like a hardworking family man. He always lends a hand to people in town. He's kind of that 
that guy around town that you'll call like if you if you just need something, you need help, you need somebody's advice, opinion, whatever. But he has a dark secret from everybody that he's keeping from everybody. And it's that he's a kidnapper and a serial killer. And he's, you know, has a track record for murder. This sounds so crass to talk about. Um, He's murdered eight women and he has a ninth that he's kidnapped and is earmarked for death. Her name is Rachel and she's been imprisoned in his backyard shed for five years. Yeah. Joe's like, his eyes are bugging out of his head. <laughs> but when Aiden's wife dies, his daughter and him have to move. And so he has no choice but to bring Rachel along with them when they move. And so he he introduces her to his daughter as a family friend. And so then they're sort of in this weird setup where he just assumes that Rachel is going to be too brainwashed to to say anything or to try to escape or to cause any drama. And what he doesn't know is obviously she's not going to go without a fight. And so this is a really interesting, you know, thriller, like what a premise where you have all of these characters navigating an absolutely insane situation. And She's just living with Aiden and his daughter and try, like pretending to be the family friend, trying to navigate like how to get out of this. Um, they move to the new town and then we introduce Emily. So she's a local restaurant owner. And well, what do you know? She's got a crush on this handsome family man. He's a widower. He has a young daughter. And um, as she sort of gets closer to him, she, like things are like, ooh, what's going on here? Um, she's getting a little too close for comfort. And so the story is told from the perspectives of the three women in this story. So it's told from Rachel's perspective, the daughter, Cecilia and Emily, this, uh, sort of love interest for Aiden. So it's a really gripping thriller, but it also, you know, talks about power dynamics, trauma, survival. And this was a debut. So that's the quiet tenant. Joe's like, and you know what? I didn't listen to the audiobook, but I have heard nothing but fantastic things about the audio because I I know it's multi uh, multi narrator. I love that they're doing that. That you get it left and right now. Yeah, so shook. (laughs) I know. I mean, what a premise, and what like. Oh my god, it's going to sound like I'm making a pun, but what a killer debut! I know. What it just like. The stress, this like, it's palpable, you know, in Um, this, like things could explode at any moment kind of a thing. So I'm in Libby right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, do it. Borrow it. Anyway, like I have to, I have to wait for the audiobook. (laughs) But yeah, The Quiet Tenant uh, by Clemence Michelon. Just wild. Bang. That yeah. sounds fantastic. <laughs> you swing it in the into the end of the year with recommendations for me still. <laughs> I, well, this is the problem is that like we just influence each other to read and like then the list, the never ending list. <laughs> I know. I, I have such a long list just to catch up with things that you love so I can understand your reading better <laughs> and my own list. <laughs> I know. And then I've got you reading, you know, 
Well, I don't want to spoil that, but like I've got you reading things for uh-huh. some episodes upcoming. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, we'll have to do the reverse again because I did really enjoy when I read Jackal. So. I know. So I have to I have to try to find something to to hit you with that that like fills the vibe in the same way that my my what I'm currently reading, teaser, 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 uh would do for you. Yeah. So stay tuned for that in 2024, y'all. Yeah. Get excited. (laughs) (laughs) So my next pick is Let Us Descend by Jesmyn Ward. Uh, Beautiful book, gorgeous premise, Oprah's book club pick, instant New York Times bestseller, shortlisted for the Carnegie Medal for Excellence. Like I, if you haven't heard about this one, there's not much that I can or need to say, but you know, This is by the two-time National Book Award winner and author of Sing, Unburden, Sing. This Let Us Descend is a reimagining of American slavery as beautifully rendered as it is heart-wrenching. I know I've read this description to y'all before, but just, just, you know, bear with me here. But it's searching, harrowing, replete with transcendent love. The novel is a journey from the rice fields of the Carolinas to the slave markets of New Orleans and into the fearsome heart of a Louisiana sugar plantation. This follows Annis, who was sold south by the white enslaver who fathered her. Uh, it's the reader's guide. She's the reader's guide through the hellscape as she struggles through the miles-long march. She turns inward, seeking comfort from memories of her mother and stories of her African warrior grandmother. Throughout, she opens herself to a world beyond this world, one teeming with spirits of earth and water, of myth and history, spirits who nurture and give, and those who manipulate and take. While Jasmine leads readers through this descent, um, it's ultimately a story of rebirth and reclamation. So, yeah, I mean, the the description continues to say from one of the most singularly brilliant and beloved writers of her generation. And like, true, this miracle of a novel inscribes Black American grief and joy into the very land, the rich but unforgiving forests, swamps, and rivers of the American South. Let Us Descend is Jasmine Ward's most magnificent novel yet, a masterwork for the ages. I, I I can't say it any better than that. And I won't try to stumble through trying to say it better than that. When you have the time, pick up this book. It's brilliant. Let us descend, Jasmine Ward. Oh, good. I like I feel like the minute we heard about this book, you're yep. like, yep, that's gonna be a big one. <laughs> the the moment we heard about it, it was yep, that's gonna be a big one. And also emailing, hey, can I get an early copy? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, Perks of the job here for sure. My final two picks, I'm just switching things up on you at the last minute. But my second to last pick of the year is um, Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. And this was such a great read. This is a, I don't want to reduce it to just say a Ted Bundy story, but it's a really interesting take on, on, his impact on the women that were victims of his or that were uh, impacted by his actions. Now you can listen to Joe's lovely and wonderful conversation with Jessica Knoll to talk about bright young women. But I thought this book deserved a shout out because of the way that it places the emphasis, not on the serial killer, but on those whose lives are forever changed by, by his actions. And I loved in this book that he's not named uh, I think, except for once. And the the emphasis is really, it's not about him. And I think that that was a really interesting and important thing to do because, right, why is it about 
why is the the attention and the fixation so much about these people who do terrible things and why do we not focus on those that it it impacts and give them credit you know for all of the things that it, they're sort of having to endure by being you know victims of of these types of things. And so I just thought this was a really great, compelling read, um, really well done, really nicely written, very unique. I don't know that I've read anything like this uh, before. And so um, we have to give a kudos to Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. And surprising for us that we haven't said it yet, but for the first time this episode, a gorgeous cover. I mean, all of these covers have been gorgeous, but this one... I mean, it stands out on the bookshelf so beautifully, but also manages to blend with her other books. Um, I'll also say, because we both had advanced copies, they did remove the only time that she uses his name for the final, which was even which was even kind of like more impactful as well. Yes. And that's yeah. right. That was the thing is like you, I didn't. I feel dumb. I didn't know that the book was about Ted Bundy until we heard that from the publisher. And I think that that's almost better because yep. it's not about him. You, you know? had you had already read it. Yeah. Uh, the interview was already set. And we were just chilling in a meeting and they brought it up and we're both like, ooh, look oh, at that. And right, like, Ted oh. Bundy. And I'm like, Ted Bundy, what? <laughs> yeah. But right. I, I It's interesting. Like that, it, that information was... Um, in marketing, perhaps of the book, but I right, I don't know that I would have needed it um, because right, it, it wasn't it wasn't really about him. A gripping story and a really interesting way to novelize something of real life that that didn't take away from that I don't know that just didn't take away from the people who were impacted. Yeah, exactly. My last pick, and then. We have a bonus pick. Uh, well, Emma's got her last pick. And then we have a bonus pick that we both share for this year that I know we talked about uh, quite a bit, but we have to put it in. Uh, so my last pick, here is my thriller, because all of my all of the thrillers I read this year, I think were from past years because I was, I was going through my lists. Everyone, I'm like, where are all my thrillers? I know I read them. And they were either YA or uh, old. <laughs> So this is With My Little Eye by Jocelyn Jackson, um, author of Never Have I Ever. This one came out in April. From the New York Times bestselling author of Never Have I Ever comes the hair-raising story of a mother who moves herself and her daughter across the country to escape a dangerous stalker, but she can't keep herself and her daughter safe from a monster she can't identify. I know I've talked about this one as well. I know we're saying that a lot this episode, uh, but this this was just such a great read um, in the way that Emma loves kind of a, a family, like neighborhood thriller. Uh, and especially that kind of like in the UK, this is more my version of that, where I love a, you know, there's like the, the family unit kind of intrigue, but the, the, perpetrator is a little more elevated creepy like to me the idea of a stalker is horrifying and so this just this really gave everything i needed it to give but so um he's been in her home he's watching her it all started with letters and if he can't have her 
no one can. So for actress Maribel Mills, disturbing fan mail is a part of the price of fame. So when she starts getting creepy letters written in fruit-scented marker, I mean, almost fun, uh, she's mostly unfazed. But there's something different about Marker Man. Maribel Sheets' smell of unfamiliar cologne and objects are changing places inside her house. While the police insist that stalkers hardly ever escalate to violence, Maribel has played the dead girl one too many times on TV to risk becoming her in real life. She and her daughter move from Los Angeles to Atlanta for a fresh start, but no distance is great enough. Years of being in front of the camera have given Maribel a superpower. She can feel eyes on her, and someone definitely has her in her sights. Could Marker Man have followed her all the way across the country? Suddenly, every man in her life is a suspect, and Mirabel finds herself in the fight of her life, desperate to protect those she loves as danger closes in from all sides. So that is With My Little Eye by Jocelyn Jackson. That one was out in April. Like I said, this, this kind of encapsulates the style of, of, like, this style of thriller that I love the most when it comes down to that very, like, because Em and I both love domestic thrillers. This is this encapsulates the type of domestic that I love. Um, so yeah, so it was a an easy throw on the list. I just had to look up this one and refresh my memory. Yes, yep. this this <laughs> has been on my list since you mentioned it, and I need to move it back up the TBR. My goodness, the struggle. <laughs> I there's so many books that I do think like unless it's in my immediate line of sight uh-huh. <laughs> i forget or you know it gets it, bumped on the list right if if it is not in a stack staring at me it yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem to exist anymore exactly my final pick should be no surprise to anyone we are going to round it off with a book that is quintessentially an emma pick and that is happy place by emily henry i won't talk about this book for more than 30 seconds or something, because I have just waxed poetic about it in many, many episodes this year. I chatted with Emily Henry and the book's narrator, Julia Whelan, earlier this year. So be sure to listen to that if you have not already. This is a book that made me feel all my feelings. Uh, It gave me hope. It broke my heart. And then it made me happy. Um, So I cannot say enough good things about Emily Henry and her work. If you have not read Happy Place, I do think these are romance books for folks that don't normally read romance. So uh, if that is going to sway you at all to check it out, uh, that would be fantastic. Let me know if you have read Happy Place by Emily Henry, because um, this is a book that I will continue to think about regularly. So it had to be on the list. There's so many things I want to say that I can't. I know, <laughs> but so for for Joe's thoughts on things and stuff, uh, keep an eye out. <laughs> Stay tuned in January. <laughs> yeah. Well, to to close out the episode with recommendations that you've heard us bring up, that you've heard us gush over, here's one that may have perhaps started it all uh, in the idea of what's Joe's take on this. This is from Joe Reads a Big Romance, Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. This was on both of our lists. And then we both went, we shouldn't talk about it. We did a whole episode on it. And then I was like, no, there's no way that we can't talk about it. This was absolutely one of my favorite reads of the year. This was, uh, this is 
like top of the charts for me. The writing is gorgeous. The atmosphere is so strong. The balance of grief and hope and a beautiful cover and just a really fun experience to get to feel what it's like to be interviewed by Emma. Like the whole, the whole package was perfect here. Um, a great audiobook, a brilliant story. I am in love with Carly's writing now. I will absolutely be picking up her book that's coming out in 2024 to read uh, when the time comes because I, I, I like her writing. I, I need to know, I need to know more. Yeah. Shout out Carly Fortune. Her books are also a delight. And we had talked about it so long ago that I did forget that it came out in 2023. (laughs) Right. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this can go on the list. Um, And I would say that this similarly, yes, it's a romance, but it does feel very much like how you just described Emily Henry's writing of like, this is a which is why you picked this one for me. It's a romance for people who don't read romance. Like it was a story first and foremost about like a person in their life um, that romance happened to be a part of. (laughs) Exactly. And those are our picks for the best books of 2023. We would love to hear what your favorite book from this year is. So give us a shout on social media. Again, we're at pro book nerds on Twitter or X. I always forget <laughs> TikTok and Instagram. And you can send us a note to our email. We're professional booknerds at overdrive.com. I cannot believe we're already wrapping up with our picks of 2023 and looking ahead to 2024. So I can't believe it. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Science, science, science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.